Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Are you ready? What's going on here? Resistance is futile. This, indeed you are, Paul, is... Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fan Effect, uh, the Fan Effect podcast sponsored by Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters, the greatest place to and biggest and best movie theater experience in Utah. Boy, is that ever true for the movie we're going to be talking about today, a movie that's 36 years in the waiting for some fans, for other fans. uh, Well, I don't know. Younger fans are going to like this, but they may not have been waiting 36 years. But there's something everybody can like in Top Gun Maverick, the subject of our podcast today. I'm Andy Farnsworth, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Kellyanne Halverson. Kellyanne, welcome. I'm excited to get back in the danger zone. Uh, Yeah, already. Mm -hmm. She gets danger zone in the first sentence. That's uh, that's great. I had to get you to it. (laughs) And we're welcome special guests this time, Chad Mortensen of Saints and Sinners True Crime and History of the West podcast, friend of Kellyanne, and uh, also has seen the movie before everybody else. So uh, first of all, congratulations on that, Chad. You're making a lot Thank of people very jealous, oh. I'm sure. <laughs> Blown away. And they should be, honestly, yeah. considering the experience that Absolutely. we had. I, I got a couple of calls <laughs> requesting, sorry, already have a plus one. <laughs> Thanks for thinking of me. I appreciate it. <laughs> so Chad, tell us a little bit about you since it's your first time on the podcast. So it is excellent to be here. Um, you know, I've been doing a podcast for myself for the last two years uh, based on historic stories from Utah and true crime cases. History is more meaningful sometimes than to me than uh, fictional stories. So um, I just really enjoy doing it. I give tours of the Salt Lake Cemetery, which a lot of people are like, what's... What's that all about? You know, the graves always stay in the well, same Well, that was place. the first time I met you, and I'm just easy to think I've of. I've got relatives buried at that cemetery. Is it's there any beautiful. stories about them? It's a beautiful place. What, were the, what are the names? Fellows. Fellows. I've, I've seen some fellows up there. I need to learn a, bit, a little bit more about them. No, but. there's probably no crazy stories. But, I mean, we're talking, this is actually my, my grandparents and my uncle are buried there. So, that uh, can't imagine there's any ghost stories about that just yet. Yeah, they can, so. can come up with something. Anyway, <laughs> but it is, a, it is a cool place. We've taken uh, church group youth to hike the cemetery and look for different headstones. And it's a, and it's a hike. It's a pretty cool place. I painted uh, fire hydrants right outside it. Even painted a little bit of the fence, too. It wasn't supposed to, but that's a whole different uh, subject. Well, thanks for contributing. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's been 36 years since we've seen Pete Maverick Mitchell in the cockpit of a Navy fighter jet. Uh, after a long wait, actually, it was really only supposed to be about 35, 30, or, I'm sorry, 32 or 33 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, because of production delays and then the pandemic, we ended up having to wait a couple of more years. Uh, I have to say, of all the movies this year that I've been asked about the most, Top Gun Maverick is the one of Have You Seen It Yet? or When's It Coming? or mm-hmm. That's the one that I'm most looking forward to. So it built up almost four decades worth of anticipation. 1986's Top Gun was the top grossing film of that year. It had a soundtrack that has lasted for, uh, in popularity, uh, that's, I mean, it's it's one of the top movie soundtracks of all time. It's I mean, iconic. It's I was going to say, I'm Absolutely sure people iconic. could argue that there are better ones, but there are certainly songs that, uh, that anybody who grew up in the 80s or even the early 90s heard over and over again. Um, and so... The question for Top Gun Maverick is, after such a long wait, is there a story left to tell about Pete Mitchell? Is there relevancy? Uh, it's been 40 years. you got to figure that Pete Mitchell, the character, has to be close to 60-something. I mean, he's got to be about yeah. Tom Cruise's age. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, for Tom Cruise, he's ageless-looking. He is. He <laughs> I mean, even now, there was some scenes when he's on the motorbike that you can watch in the trailer where you're not sure if this is a shot from the original yeah. Top Gun or if it's right. the current one. I, the one shot where it follows him like coming at the camera and then it pans to the side and you see the jet taking off. I Which wasn't 100% sure it's if that was trailer, a flashback. So we can talk about well, it. Right, but I mean, yeah. that's. I wasn't sure if that was a flashback or if that was an actual shot. From, I wasn't sure. Oh, wow. So that uh, that speaks to whatever Tom Cruise does. And to Some stay. magical elixir, I don't yeah, know. Exactly. I mean, uh, and... So just so everyone understands this first segment, we're not going to spoil anything for the movie because there are things that could be spoiled for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some moments and different things that will happen that that we want to preserve for your experience in the theater. But 
The trailers are out, and if you're a fan of the movie, you've already seen at least one, if not both. Uh, it's up to you and your personal experience as to how many times you've viewed the trailers and how recently you've viewed them. So we'll try to stick to that for our first segment. But honestly, if you're listening to this, you already want to see the movie. So mm-hmm. you're just listening to what we thought overall. So that's kind of what we'll stick to in general. So, I mean, from the moment that it starts, like, it's it's an exciting moment. And I don't know about you guys, but when I hear, like, this... At the beginning oh of the movie, or at any point during the movie. <laughs> the music, oh. You hear the bell magic. ding. I love the dog. Oh, it's so beautiful. And it's just, I mean, again, it's an iconic score. Harold Faltermeyer's music with the electric guitar. Everybody knows it. Um, I'm not going to spoil. It, the movie doesn't open with this, but it comes pretty close. Actually, it does open with this, mm-hmm. and then it, it switches to something else. But I'll let that for the uh, theatrical experience because that wasn't something it's, I was it's the expecting. Good side of nostalgia with with the music, yes, definitely. But it's something that you associate immediately with Top Gun. And if it didn't, honestly, if it didn't have that musical riff, it would have felt incomplete. Mm-hmm, definitely. I think it connected it. So we get that, and we jump right in. Plot wise. All right, so here's the official plot synopsis. After more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, Pete Maverick Mitchell is where he belongs, pushing the envelope as a courageous test pilot and dodging the advancement in rank that would ground him when he finds himself training a detachment of Top Gun graduates for a specialized mission, the likes of which no living pilot has ever seen. Maverick encounters Lieutenant Bradley Bradshaw, callsign Rooster. If that last name sounds familiar, it's the son of Maverick's late friend and radar intercept officer, Lieutenant Nick Bradshaw, a.k.a. Goose. Facing an uncertain future and confronting the ghosts of the past, Maverick is drawn into a confrontation with his own deepest fears, culminating in a mission that demands the ultimate sacrifice from those who will be chosen to fly it. So that's as far as we'll tell you as far as the story goes. That kind of at least gives you a general idea of uh, of what the story is going to be like as you go into Top Gun. But you don't go to Top Gun because of what the plot line is going to be. You go to Top Gun because you want to watch really cool jets do really cool things, and you want to imagine what it might be like to fly in them, which is, I think, what fascinated uh, viewers of the original Top Gun years ago. I know that that's what was cool to me as a kid. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, the F-14 Tomcat, I... It's kind of an ugly. I think it's an ugly plane when its wings are in, but when they're out, I think it looks great. And yeah. so that it made me like the F fourteen Tomcat uh, a lot, even though I guess it wasn't used as heavily in services. The F fifteen, the F sixteens, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that I even know what any of them are is probably credit to Top Gun, if I'm being honest. Well, so. I, I wanted those toys. You wanted the you right. wanted the F fourteen. Well, I had the, the Sky Striker. It was an F fourteen. It was a GI Joe toy. I did have that by the time Top Gun came out, but I didn't know it was an F fourteen Tomcat. Until I saw Top Gun, so I was yeah. talking to John Smith this morning, and he had like the bomber jacket with the patches as a kid, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how cool would that <laughs> Just be? Living the dream. Like, yeah, he I'm wanted not to even, go I'm last night. He wanted to. He wasn't able to. Uh, like, I'm not even a military person, and I thought it was cool. I thought the the fighting and everything was cool, and it was filmed for an IMAX, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you really feel like you're in the seat of different airplanes and everything, and. Just the advancement of technology, filming technology between oh 86 and now, beautiful. Yeah, the beautiful. stuff they can do. And, you know, Tom Cruise uh, said he wouldn't be involved in the project if it was going to be CGI planes. Right? He wanted to do the real thing. Yep. And to Tom Cruise's credit, you know, you can say what you want, whether you like Tom Cruise movies or you don't like Tom Cruise movies. You can't go to a Tom Cruise movie, even a bad one, mm-hmm. like The Mummy, and not see. <laughs> that's, that's what came to mind. Well, but when you but said you that. Can, even in The Mummy, there were some amazing shots. The scene where they're, they're in the plane and it's like turning around them and they used like a steady yeah. cam. And, you know, he pushed the envelope to try to make the most realistic stuff. Not coincidentally, the uh, Mission Impossible 7 trailer oh. dropped the same day we saw Top Gun. And there's Beautiful. some crazy shots in that. Uh-huh. And, I I understand that at one point he was shooting that. If you've seen the trailer, there's a scene where he jumps a motorcycle off a cliff. And it was him. He went off the cliff with the motorcycle. The whole shot is him. But not only did he do that, he did it nine times. He said things to the director like, I think I can hold on to the bike a little bit longer for the next shot. (laughs) Like, I think I can do that a little bit better. It's it's a wonder he's still with us. It, it is in a way. I it remember really Ghost is. Protocol. He was on the outside of the building on the outside of the building. He hung on oh the side gosh. of a plane in Rogue Nation. He held his breath for like seven minutes in a real honest to goodness take when they were doing the underwater scenes. So the dude really does sacrifice himself for the films. And he knows his action films. It's it's beautiful. He makes it work, and he took a lot of flack. I think not that it was necessarily all his fault for how many times this film was delayed. 
But after you've seen it in the theater, especially in IMAX, you won't regret. Well, and that's that that's what I was going to say. So that was part of the delay as well. Part of the delay was the insistence of Tom Cruise that this movie be released in theaters. And after you see it, I promise you, no matter what theater home theater setup you have, unless you're like the onest of the one percent and own an IMAX screen at your house. Nothing that you have at home can top the experience of IMAX in the large auditorium with the sound and everything like that. Uh, and to be fair, the Megaplex theaters have the best IMAX screens. Jordan yeah. Landing is where, or Jordan Commons is where we saw it in Sandy. Uh, but the one at Valley Fair looks amazing. The one at the District looks amazing. Uh, I don't know if I don't think they have one at uh, the Gateway downtown, but. But there's plenty of IMAX yeah. screens that uh, you can catch. I think they have one in the Centerville one also. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, it's worth seeing it on the biggest screen possible. I don't think – I mean, do you disagree with me I, on that? I thought about Avatar. I mean, it's a different movie. But when I saw Avatar in 2009, I saw it in that same IMAX screen at Jordan Commons. And there's, there was no experience that would match that later on with watching Avatar. Top Gun's going to be I still different. haven't I, seen Avatar on the big screen. I only saw it once on my <laughs> tablet. unbelievable in IMAX. <laughs> it's not They're going to re-release it in IMAX in October, I want to say, the first Avatar. Like ahead of the new sequels. Yeah. I uh, yeah, you got to see that one in the theater. It, I've never wanted to watch it since then, but like I think this Top Gun sequel, I'm going to want to watch it at home. I obviously. felt the same way. Later like on. when I was done, I was like, I'm willing to go see this again with other people, or just see it again for my own enjoyment. And seeing all the movies that I see, I got to be honest. When the kids want to watch one that I thought I may have liked, but it's like you know what, I'm going to go read a book or something else. I've already seen <laughs> no. this one once. I don't, I don't want to commit two hours to that again. But this is one I would easily commit, and it was two hours and I think officially 17 minutes if you stay through all the credits. But it was, it was about two hours and four or five minutes. I didn't think it felt long at all. In fact, no. I resisted the urge to look at my watch at different points when the story, at different story points, I was tempted to look at my watch to see like. Is this the end of the movie or is yeah. there more? Because that also to keep you, going. Well, yeah. that and also like based on where the story was, I was curious if this was the end of the movie or if there would be more after that. And so, uh, you know, after Batman had like 15 different endings, I guess. Going, didn't it? Yep. <laughs> but Top Gun, I enjoyed all the way through. It gave you all the emotions, the good ones, the bad ones, everything in between. Nostalgia. I just. I liked it. I don't know how else to say it. I thought it was a near perfect summer movie and a near perfect sequel as mm-hmm. far as, you know, having a few ties to the past, but kind of telling its own story. And, and it justified itself, in my opinion, for existing like the story I thought justified the existence of the movie. Yeah. And it could stand alone. I mean, it had mm-hmm. several shots, like you said, that looked just like the original. And it did that on purpose to sort of right. tie our brains into it. But then the movie kind of took off in a little bit of a di- different direction with these new new filming styles and stuff. And it felt like a new New movie. It could stand on its own without the first one. It'd still be an interesting movie. Yeah, like kids and teenagers and stuff who might not have seen it, that'd be okay. And uh, what I liked about it was it was a lot less crass than the first movie. And that goes with the maturity of the character as well. And with that maturity, I'm so glad... Everyone keeps asking me, is it weird that it's, you know, 30 years later, 35 years later with Tom's age and everything? And I'm like, no, it's great because it is. It's the characters at that point. It's not trying to, to fake it or anything like that. But, well, to be fair, they never say what year it is. They don't. They, they never say, say they what year it is. They also don't say what the enemy is. Like, right. That, <laughs> that's, something, that's something we'll get to in the spoiler <laughs> segment. But um, the they never say. So there's probably a little bit of leeway. And first of all, the movie was pretty much done two years ago. So yeah. we got to factor that in as well. Yeah, we were going to um, do such a cool thing with the movie show, and we had to cancel it because of COVID and the delay. Yeah. It was so sad. This was, one now, of the, so. this was one of the first ones. It got pushed to Thanksgiving of that year, then delayed, then delayed like a whole other year. And it was a, it's worth the wait. It was because we got the Super music, Bowl. We, or we got an ad for it during the Super Bowl of 2020. So after the 2019 season, I mean, it was. We had a trailer and everybody got excited and then had to wait <laughs> three minutes. And maybe that helps, honestly. Maybe like the tease of, you know, usually you don't get a trailer because it's not done yet. They haven't mm-hmm. shot enough. Mm-hmm. They haven't edited enough. They haven't put it together enough. Well, they had enough of the movie done. They could put out a good trailer, get everybody hyped, and then make us wait three more years. And like, all right, here you go. <laughs> Anticipation heightens the uh, enjoyment, I guess, right? is, is, is proof it does. for Top Gun Maverick. Because we sure enjoyed it. I didn't see anybody who left the theater grumbling either. No one, no one. And it was such a good escape from the world right now. And just to be back in the theater, it was really fun for us because it was a press screening with fans as well. So 
all these people together, all so excited to see the film. Yes, some of the screenings, there's just about 20 of us in there, and Mm -hmm. it doesn't get the same audience experience. It felt like we're officially out of COVID. Like, it felt like a pre-COVID movie. Now everybody's everybody's going to come down with it in four days. Ah. (laughs) No, it was so fun, though, and it's such a good escape, and the action, the music, and it was really good symmetry with and parallels with the first movie as well so i i really enjoyed it well i gave it four out of four stars in my review for ksl tv because i i I honestly even a day later i couldn't think of i couldn't think of anything i disliked about it honestly i mean i liked either i thought the females were not underused i thought they they were justified in their story portions i thought that uh they stood on their own i I was a surprisingly diverse cast as a female i agree with you well thank you Mm -hmm. as a a male i agree with you (laughs) (laughs) but it was a surprisingly diverse cast that as i thought about i was like wow that was a really diverse cast Mm -hmm. and i've watched shows where it's like oh look how diverse the cast is and it just kind of feels it feels forced like yeah it feels like why would these people be together yeah. voluntarily mm-hmm. and in this one it, I, I was like oh you know I guess they did have a pretty diverse cast but it felt organic and it, it didn't to me anyway it didn't feel like it was being forced down my throat like uh, yay diversity because yeah. I don't like it when it feels like that yeah. I don't mind diversity I don't like it when it feels forced if it adds to the story I think it's great yeah, or if, it does, I, if you it just don't does. notice it one way or yeah. the other I mean well and you like the new batch too it's not oh, yeah. just these stereotypical characters you are like oh no it's just a new version of, of our original 1986 class no you like them like mm. it was fantastic all right so that's our spoiler free version I mean would you give it any I, I gave it four out of four do you have a rating system for yourself I'm gonna go four four <laughs> stars as well four out of four yeah uh I'm gonna say a um I, I can't even get an a minus I don't know where to say I be too critical like it's fantastic and on top of that where do you see it you go see it in the IMAX oh for sure for yeah. sure so it's got a hugely successful score on uh Rotten Tomatoes, I believe it was 96% as of the recording of this podcast. You're going to get a lot of breathless hype. Sometimes it's just the studio trying to hype you up. Sometimes you have to believe the hype. And uh, guess what? With Top Gun Maverick, in my opinion, believe the hype. Mm-hmm. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do when a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything it was violent it was senseless and i will never understand it i will never accept it i'm amy donaldson and unfortunately we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives but what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt in a new podcast the letter we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Fan Effect, we're talking Top Gun Maverick, and uh, the spoiler-free portion is done, so please don't listen any further if you don't want any of the movies spoiled. I think this is a topic for another day, but sometimes I think we are so worried about spoilers that uh, we forget that up until, like, maybe 2005, mm-hmm. nobody cared if you got spoiled. In fact, that was part of the thing. You you'd go mm-hmm. home and you tell your friend the whole movie story, and they'd be like, dang, I really want to see that. Really? And it, then it's only really... I, honestly... I think it was the Star Wars movies, maybe that like became even the newer ones, the right? newer the, the yeah. prequel trilogy, the ones yeah. from you know ninety nine on. Nobody wanted to, everybody wanted to have the surprise experience, but we I didn't care. So I remember my friend telling me the whole story of Back to the Future, <laughs> like, and when I saw it, it looked nothing on screen like it seemed in my mind from like the way described. he described it. Uh, the clock tower for me was Big Ben. I'm trying to imagine all this stuff <laughs> happening on Big Ben. Yeah. And I'm trying to describe, I mean, I was 10 years old and my friend was probably 11 and it was like, so I think sometimes maybe we were a little too much about spoilers, but we didn't want to, certainly didn't want to ruin it for somebody who doesn't want to be mm-hmm. spoiled. But from now on, the stuff we talk about, will spoil it for you if you haven't seen it. But this is the most fun. This is the part where you listen to the podcast after you've seen the movie and you compare notes. What did you think about different scenes? What did you think about the story? What did you think about the characters? What were the surprises for you? That's stuff we can't touch on in the spoiler free, but we're ready to go right now. So let's start then. 
with the first spoiler is Danger Zone, played right Danger away in the movie. Right it's, the it's almost the same opening to Top Gun. Same you, filming angles, everything. Yeah. Like, yep. Yeah. Even Jets the, the taken text off. across the screen, the font. Yep. Oh. So you hear the you, you hear the the Harold Faltermeyer score, and it switches to Danger Zone once they're on deck and they start taking off, and then it cuts to the actual story, mm-hmm. uh, in which uh, if you've seen the trailer, and by now if you're listening to this and you you've seen the movie, you realize the trailer. The trailer does a really good job of not giving you an idea of where the story's going. The trailer makes it seem like um, Maverick and uh, Rooster hate each other, like yeah. Rooster really hates him. And while that's true, the scene where it looks like they're going to come to blows is actually not between Rooster yes. and Maverick, although that's what you thought him, when you saw yeah. the trailer. Mm-hmm. In the trailer, you kind of assume that Tom Cruise gets in the spacecraft at the end, like that was going to be maybe the final thing is him flying <laughs> yeah, that a spacecraft. Would be the end. Yeah, that's, right. that's what I thought when I watched the trailer. I was like, oh, is this going to end with him having to fly like a space bomb dropping mission kind of a thing? Nope, that's right at the beginning. He's a test pilot for something. His uh, The threshold that they have to meet for the contract is Mach 10. And not 10.1, not Not 10.2, but if they can't reach Mach 10 and they were only supposed to try for Mach 9 that day, except for there's an admiral played by Ed Harris who wants to shut down the live pilot program in favor of drones. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Perfectly sensible for today's contemporary warfare. Well, so Maverick's like, uh, well, what time does he get here? (laughs) (laughs) I love that because it establishes that, yes, he has matured and grown as a person, but he's still the same dogged, stubborn person And he knows what he's capable of. And he knows, yes. That was a Tom Cruise moment for me because, you know, for, for all the grief that Tom Cruise gets from people at times, he really does seem to care about, like, coworkers. And when he makes movies... At least the reports that I've read on set and different things, like he was furious at people for bringing COVID to the set, not necessarily because that meant he would get sick, but that meant that they had to shut down production. And now all the people that were supposed to be getting paid weren't getting paid. And to him, that was a selfish move. Like we're all a team, not just me on the screen. He works with the director. He wants the movie to be the best. And at least it seems like. He understands that the whole production team is part of the team. That's so cool. And I didn't so know that. That's awesome. Watching his the way Maverick acted, you know, he knew he was coming to the end of his career as far as piloting, but he didn't want the program to get shut down because of all the other people that were involved in the project. So he's like, "Let's do this now. I'll get court-martialed maybe, but, you know, but and that's what ends up happening is yeah. Admiral Kane's upset because, you know, and he, and he even makes a mention. He's like, you know, you you saved all their jobs, but you cost you your, your own. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's why I thought that was kind of a cool thing of like Maverick was like, look, this is for the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a professional. If you listen to that conversation during Mission Impossible when when uh, Tom Cruise is kind of chewing everybody out for the, not wearing masks. Yeah. It, uh, you can tell that he cares about the people that are working on the film. So, so cool. yeah, I agree. That's right. So he flies the aircraft and he, he gets to 10. Everybody cheers. <laughs> And Yay. then you can just hear his brain going, you know, I'm already here. Yeah. I mean, why don't we just check and see what this baby can do? He gets it up to, I think, 10.4, and then the whole craft comes apart and he crashes, which leads to a hilarious scene <laughs> hilarious. where he, he ends up at a diner. Where am I? Like, because he's literally just flown Mach 10. Who knows what state he's even in? Yeah, he doesn't even know. Earth? <laughs> Well, and how beautiful was that? Was that opening scene flying that 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 oh, aircraft gorgeous. with? Oh, just mm-hmm. stunning! Visually stunning above the clouds. Now, you have the air stream there. Was some of that CG? Ah, some of that had to be CG. Yes, it must That's have been the one sec- segment that I would say it definitely was because I mean the plane in and of itself was pretty much C- CGI, you know, because mm-hmm. it doesn't really exist in. You know, what, you the mean China. they didn't unveil a top-secret yeah, military aircraft in a movie for the whole entire TV. world to yeah. watch? <laughs> All right, so Tom Cruise, or so Maverick uh, gets chewed out and is about to, you know, kind of be fired for the last time, except for, except for orders coming in from an Admiral Kazansky that reassigns him to Top Gun Base, um, which we find out that he had taught at before, before getting fired. Although the movie, as I recall, doesn't really say much about why he got fired, but we can just imagine that, I'm guessing. Um, I'm sure he's been court-martialed and fired and moved many, many a time. <laughs> well, so now he's transferred under the command of Admiral uh, Cyclone Simpson, played by John Hamm, who's the kind of, I guess, the head of Top Gun Base. But this time it's because there's a specific mission that requires very short order training, three weeks 
they've got to blow up a nuclear reactor by some unnamed country, which they're very, very careful we never, never to name. Out. We never see a flag on any of the enemy aircraft. Mm-hmm. They never say, and actually, that works. Yeah. It's a worldwide audience yeah. now. Yeah. You can't make, yeah. you can't. You can't single out a potential revenue stream and cut about, it off. It's not like the 80s where it's the Cold War. Are we still having issues with Russia now? Yes, but it's, yeah, a, it's but a different we, we weren't well, two never, years ago. Yeah, yeah. They never named uh, Russia as the enemy. You just kind of assumed it in the first one. So it's kind That's of the true. same with this one. Is It's the enemy, unnamed enemy. But So Maverick has got his own little... I thought it was a P-51 Mustang, but it's something else. He has his own Kawasaki. personal. It's, no, no, no. I'm not talking about the motorcycle. Oh. I'm talking about his plane. Oh, it is a P-51 it's Mustang. P-51. And it's Tom Cruise's personal airplane. It's pretty. That's all I know. It is. <laughs> but it shiny. makes sense that Maverick would have a plane like yeah. that, too. Yeah. So, yeah. any rate, uh, Cruise is back at uh, uh, Maverick is back at uh, Top Gun School. He meets at the bar a former flame of his named Penny, played by Jennifer Connelly. Which we might recognize the name from the first one. Well, they never named her in the first one. No, they did. Did they say her name? Yeah. No, I knew they talked about her, but I didn't know they named her. Because it said the, the, what is it, the Penny, the Admiral's daughter. daughter. Yeah, the Admiral's daughter. But then I guess Meg Ryan has a line. I don't think she said the name, though. It's during, yeah, it's it's, it's when he's playing piano, when Goose is playing the piano in the first Mm -hmm. one. Um, Great Balls of Fire. Yeah, Meg Ryan kind of leans over and talks about it. Mm -hmm. So Jennifer Connelly plays... Essentially, a, a an in-name only character. We never saw any version of her in the original Top Gun. Um, but it's obvious pretty quickly that they have a history together as he shows up at the bar and they're chatting. And he is forced to buy a round for the whole bar because <laughs> he put his cell phone on the bar. And she rings a bell anytime somebody has to buy a round for everybody. And this is when we meet the new cadets for Top Gun mm-hmm. uh, that are coming to train for a mission that they don't know what the mission is. They don't know why they're called in. Just know they're the best of the best. They just know they're the best of the best. And let's see. So here are some of the different people that we're going to meet uh, that are the crew. So we've got Glenn Powell, who plays Hangman, uh, a very cocky... Um, uh, He's, he's like Iceman Ice Ice from Man. that group. Yeah. He's cocky, but he's really talented, but he's completely arrogant. Uh, you've got uh, Greg Tarzan Davis playing Coyote, uh, one of the pilots. You've got uh, Monica Barbaro as Phoenix. You've got, uh, let's see, uh, where did my list go? <laughs> Jay Ellis as Payback. Danny Ramirez as Fanboy. And then, of course, we've got uh, everybody. Andy, everybody's favorite. Well, I'm fanboy, yes. Actually, I did go to the what's your call sign, and I am starry. Uh, starry? I haven't I, looked I, mine up yet. I was wizard. Wizard, I okay. I could see that. That's, that's yeah, very fitting there, for you. There you go. So, uh, and then we've got the last two. Everybody uh, everybody likes, uh, where did he go here? Bob. Lewis Pullman plays Bob. Bob, yeah. That's his call, call sign. sign Bob. <laughs> Probably the best one of ever. And then we have Miles Teller who plays um, Rooster. Rooster. Call sign Rooster, but his name is actually my uh, Lieutenant Bradley Bradshaw. Bradley Bradshaw. And if you've seen the original Top Gun, he's the little kid sitting on the piano that uh, is Goose and Meg Ryan's uh, son. Mm -hmm. And they use a couple flashbacks to that, especially in the scene where he's playing Great Balls of Fire on the piano. I assume they did that so people didn't complain. Why would he know that they play Great Balls of Fire? His dad was dead before he was old. But then it shows he was actually sitting on the piano when Goose was playing it in the original movie. So I assume that's why they threw that in because everybody who's seen the original Top Gun knew that immediately as soon as he started playing it. And it had a visible effect on Maverick, the character, after he gets tossed out of the bar. And then he's playing Great Balls of Fire and he's watching it happen. And we don't know yet the story of why... But you could. There's obviously some unfinished business between those two, and we assume he blames Maverick for his father's death. I mean, that's yeah. until that we hear sense. different. That's what we would assume going into the movie. Well, what a great way to remind the audience of this is the part of the history to focus on. If you haven't seen the movie in a while, this is this is the story that you need to see. The just the funness and the charm of Goose um, and everything. Boy, does Miles Teller look like Anthony exactly Edwards. Like All Miles Teller had yeah. to do was grow a mustache, and he looks exactly like 1980s Anthony Edwards. Right? It was crazy. I was not expecting that because I'm used to him in other films. And even like the way he moved around and stuff, he really yep. embodied the spirit of Goose there. And I love that it's Rooster and Goose, so it's it's both right. poultry. Right. <laughs> poultry. How about avian in some sort? Avian. So okay. I don't know if you noticed Instead when of they, just chicken. When they introduced uh, Jennifer Connelly, when she came on the screen, did you notice that David Bowie song was playing? 
I What's did not. The- so, and Labyrinth came out about a month after Top Gun. And it's, I got to think that was probably. Was she in Labyrinth? Important. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jennifer Connelly Jennifer was? She was Connelly. the main yeah. girl in it. I thought that was Jennifer Beals. Oh, yeah, Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, so it came out about a month no, after No, I don't know. I've Top never Gun. seen Labyrinth, so. And I'm like, that's a, that's a David Bowie song on purpose. Oh, yeah, I'm it, sure it was, As soon I'm as sure she showed it. up, and I was like, wow, that's, that's But incredible. I like little fun little meta nods like it. that. Yeah. So um, we find out that Penny has a kid, and it's not Mavericks. They make that pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Just so you don't you spend the whole dad? movie wondering <laughs> if it's his daughter that he either is estranged from or doesn't know about. Where's your dad? Oh, he's in Hawaii with his wife. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So it's not Maverick's child, uh, kind of a precocious 13-year-old. And also the husband is gone with his wife, so there's not a competition there. Exactly. He's not going to show back up and try to win Penny back. But, you know, there's we don't know the history until later in the movie that they have together, but they're apparently kind of, I mean, we know that, that Maverick made a pass at the Admiral's daughter years before, but apparently they had several times where they would come together and then it would flame out. And uh, at one point, uh, Penny's daughter's like, don't hurt her again. Um, yeah. That's why I was interested to know, uh, since now we're in spoiler territory, I was interested to see if Maverick was going to die. Right? Because once Absolutely. they really started establishing this relationship between him and uh, Penny, I was like, boy, is, uh, is he going to end up? Well, and it's not on the leave. table. I mean, look well, at the and, last and James she's got to understand. It's not like he just flamed out yeah. and decided to go somewhere else. Like that's always the risk when the pilots go into combat that they're not going to come back. In fact, that's one of the key points uh, of the movie. Is as we go along, we find out that this is this is a mission that, based on the the protections of the target that they're trying to hit, it's not a likely survivable mission. It's kind of like we know going in that. Most, maybe not all, are are going to die on the mission just because of the anti-aircraft and the fighters, and the fighters are more superior. That's what Tom, or that's what Maverick makes a point in the front of the giant American flag, a, a point that he tries to make. That's the only flag, by the way, that we see in the whole movie is the American flag on the boat, the American flag, the big giant one in the hangar, and then on the of course on the sides of the aircraft. Gotta keep it a little ambiguous. Yeah. So against against two China, Russia, who knows? Uh, <laughs> know. The Middle East. They got mountains wherever it is There's that they snow. flew into. Um, but I, that, I that, that, but the, that it was going to possibly be a sacrificial mission. Well, and I love that, too, because it goes back to what we're talking before about Mav's character and even Tom Cruise as a person caring about the people he works with. Like he his whole goal was to get them in and get them out alive, where some of the commanders and the other people, it wasn't as important to them. It felt like. Well, and yeah, and he always alive. emphasized that, like done. and to get them home. Get They're them like, home. well. They're like, oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, if that works out, sure. That would be cool. And that's what kind of re- – that was a theme throughout the movie was sort of the healing that he's been doing for having lost Goose. And it's just a thread that just runs throughout Maverick where he just doesn't want to lose. Even Iceman, let, it, compulsion. let him go. Let it go. Yeah. It's time. <laughs> well, and speaking of Iceman, at some point uh, Maverick rubs people the wrong way as he usually does. Mm-hmm. Uh, his training is – uh, by the way, that's to me the funnest sequences are the ones where he's training the pilots yeah. and they're, yeah. you know, okay, we're going to have a dogfight with him. This is similar to what uh, they had with Jester and Viper in uh, the original Top Gun. Only now it's Maverick doing the flying and uh, he embarrasses them all. They make a bet. Oh, let's do push ups uh, for whoever gets well, killed. And everybody gets to, to take turns <laughs> doing push ups while Maverick takes them all out. <laughs> this was a good, this, this is what was good about it. And, and again, here comes our obligatory Star Wars reference. Yes. <laughs> we'll have one in every episode. This seemed like that the director, um, Joseph Kaczynski, and I think uh, one of the producers is um, McQuarrie, Chris McQuarrie, who uh, Tom Cruise works with all the time. I felt like they understood that you couldn't make Top Gun Maverick. If you're going to introduce all these new pilots, mm-hmm. you got to let Maverick be Maverick. 100%. And they did a good job of balancing. Everyone played a key role in the mission. Nobody could have done it without the others. I mean, just by the fact that it had to take two bombing runs to hit the um, to hit the to hit the the, the, the reactor, mm-hmm. that meant that Tom Cruise couldn't do it by himself. <laughs> Yeah, right? he had to rely on because, would if he could. But none of them could do it. Even Hangman couldn't do it by himself, even though he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it meant that it was going to have to be a team effort. And so you could introduce these new pilots, and, and I didn't think there was any that were dislikable. Even Hangman was likable in his dislikability, kind of like Iceman was. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you, when you get past the fact that we're obviously supposed to be rooting for Rooster and we're obviously supposed to be rooting for Maverick, just like with Iceman, when you look, if you can look back at it laying aside who you know you're supposed to be rooting for – was the stuff that Iceman said wrong? Was it was no, his no. arrogance wrong? Was the fact that he was a better because he did win 
the, the the top in his class, as they jokingly referenced yeah. in this one. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's just like you, you know, top in his class. He's like, well, I mean, I finished second. <laughs> <laughs> just want to manage expectations here, uh, which is funny because I don't think they manage expectations at all. Only in the trailer because everything you saw was just exceeded expectations. But everybody needed to be a team, but. Maverick still played a critical role in all of it, not just as mentor, but he was mentor for the first part. And then as it turned out, when he, you know, gets barred from the mission and then he flies the course himself and shows you can do it in two, two minutes and 15 seconds. Nails it. So and he wonderful. nails it. Then suddenly he becomes part of the mission. And of course, he stole an aircraft in order to fly that mission to prove it because he'd already been grounded from the uh, he'd already been grounded from the mission uh, or from the training. You anything less from Mav. So. No, right. I mean, it was like, was Maverick going to steal a plane? Wow, what a shock. <laughs> so he gets to be part of the mission and play a critical role in the mission. But again, he's not the only one. Mm-hmm. And and I thought that was a great job of using the legacy character. And now, of course, the movie's called Top Gun Maverick. So it's not you know, yeah. it's not like Star Wars Episode Eight was Star Wars The Return of Luke Skywalker. <laughs> if they'd have done that and then treated Luke Skywalker like... They did, then I think I'd be a little bit more mad, but <laughs> a little bit more more than you are. No, yeah. I'm not that mad. I actually liked the Last Jedi. Yeah. For, uh, I did too, to be honest. But that was the frustrating part of the the sequel trilogy. Was I just felt like in some ways, after having watched it and now digested it for a couple of years, there's a part of me that almost would rather they didn't have brought the legacy characters back at all, mm-hmm. rather than not to bring him in and be like, but no, let's make sure you understand. We like these characters. Now here's the legacy ones. Okay. We'll off that one. Okay. We'll off that one. Then unfortunately we had to off the other one because they unfortunately died in real life. But yeah, this was a good job of intertwining the two, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in some ways I think it's a, almost a gold standard. If you're going to bring them back 30 years later, right. A good way to mix it up. Now, a lot of that is credit to Cruz for being in shape, yeah. for yes. looking younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if he'd have looked, I don't know, like John Voight. Wouldn't, I don't know I if we would have bought him that. flying the aircraft like that. But because he still looks young, <laughs> even though he's 60 uh, years old in real life and maybe his character's in his 60s also, we could still buy that it's possible because it looks like he could survive yeah. the, the physical well, And then rigors. how stubborn Maverick is, he's not going to let that flight go. He's, he's going to keep doing what he wants to do as long as possible. So. Right. Really and, good. you know, that's there was a Star Trek, uh, there was a Star Trek moment from the Star Trek movies, well, I don't know if you've seen the Star Trek movies, but as yeah. the, when the movies begin, Kirk has been promoted from captain to admiral. Mm-hmm. And in both the first and the second movie, he ends up reassuming command of the Enterprise. The first time, it's because there's a big alien threat, and they're like, hey, you were in deep space for five yeah. years. Go and see what it is. Also, you're closest. Mm-hmm. Then in the second one, he's on a training mission when everything goes haywire, and so he's already there in command. Well, by the time number four is done... <laughs> And he's stolen the Enterprise to go save his friend and all this stuff. They dismiss all the charges because they saved Earth, mm-hmm. except for they dismiss, They only keep one charge, and that's disobeying a direct order. And they did that so that they could demote him from Admiral back to so Captain. keep having that chance. And they said, like, where, you know, so we reduce you in rank to Captain and return you to the place where you probably should have been the whole time mm-hmm. and where you've served so well. And Maverick just never made that mistake of getting promoted to Admiral in the first place. And he did on yeah. purpose. You have right. that one point when Amelia, the, the daughter of Penny, is like still captain. <laughs> yeah, and a couple times during the movie, somebody was like, you should be a senator by now. You know? Yeah, you should be like a <laughs> – in fact, I think that was uh, John Hamm's character that yeah. said that yeah. when he was like having to ground. I'm like, for goodness sake, you should be a senator or something by now. <laughs> but here you are still a captain. He's like, well, I'm where, I am where I belong. He knows what he wanted to do. And, and he so, was willing to be a bit flexible in that, though, because when they brought him in to teach, he's like, I'm not a teacher, but he realized the importance of this mission. He's going to do it. But it's Mavericks. He's going to do it his own way. <laughs> yep. So they fly the mission. They're successful in in very pulse pounding ways. I uh, mm-hmm. I found myself having to. I couldn't look to away. mentally unclench my leg muscles because yeah. there were times where I was like, oh, my gosh, like I. I it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> no need real, to. No real. need to get. I was like, taking notes and I totally stopped for like thirty minutes. Yes. I'm like, mm-hmm. you can't take your eyes off the screen. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they fly the mission. They're successful, but uh, Maverick gets shot down when he saves himself, or he when he sacrifices himself to save Rooster. And so that was the moment when I wanted to check my watch. I was tempted to be like, "Wait, is this?" Yeah. Is this it? Like, well, and there's so yeah. many parallels in the first movie. Every step of the way, you're like, "Is this how they're? Is this a parallel?" They're well, you also is, think is again, re- reality. Mm-hmm. 
unfortunately, when you're yeah. a grown up, you realize how reality creeps into the movies and sometimes influences the plot just because it's the same thing with the Marvel movies. You know, mm-hmm. at some point, these actors are going to age out. What are they going to do then? Mm-hmm. Do you go with it? Do you recast? You know, so for me, it was I can't imagine they'd ever shoot a Top Gun movie without Tom Cruise's Maverick. Mm-hmm. But it took 40 years to get the sequel. And what real, honestly, what really could they do with Maverick after this except have him live with Penny and be, you know, be happy and raise trilogy. your daughter? This, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So they're, yeah. they're, because there could be no, there's really not a room for a sequel in which Maverick will play a role. It could make sense narratively that he sacrifices himself to save his partner's son after all these years. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was tempted to look at my watch and be like, wait, is this the end of the movie? Yeah. Or Ooh. is there more? Is there some way that he could be saved? And of course, it turns out that he could. Uh, he survives the crash. The chopper's about to gun him down. And then at that point, you knew, ain't no way they're going to gun down Cruz in front of a helicopter. <laughs> I kind of like thought he that. either he dies in the crash or somebody's about to save him. Oh, <laughs> but when that helicopter did turn and like its guns oh, were right on, him, yeah. on the camera there, I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm a little... My I actually racing. thought that was going to be Hangman that hit him. Oh. That's what I thought at first. The Hangman was going to just disobey orders and take off frame. to help out because he at that point... I knew, I mean, you had to know Hangman was going to come back into the picture Mm -hmm. because he gets great. He's the best pilot of the group and he gets stuck back at the aircraft carrier because Maverick picked Rooster as a fellow single fighter. So, you know, he's going to have to play a role. You don't just have him be all that and then just sideline him for the whole fight. So I thought that was going to be Hangman. He's so eager. He's still sitting in the plane. Well, yeah, I mean, they were supposed to be on standby for for immediate stuff. So, Mm -hmm. um, once Goose saved him, and then they, and then, then it becomes like this. I mean, I loved it, but it was like a, a weird juxtaposition of a scene where, like, now they've just saved the day blowing up the nuclear reactor, and they're standing there arguing with each other in the woods. Yeah. Great dialogue exchange, by the right. way. What I were you thinking? Tom I was Chris doing right up and just shoving him down. What were you thinking? You told me not to think. Well, I mean, My- Miles Teller was so good in this movie so like, as Rooster. He, I've always loved him. The first thing I saw him in was the Footloose remake, mm-hmm. which wasn't he a was good, in that. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a good movie. I don't think I've seen that. But one. he was. You don't need to see it. He was good. I mean, his charisma on screen is is definitely there, and he looks like Anthony Edwards. It's yeah, crazy. and see, I saw him. I think the first time I recall seeing him was Ready Player One. One of my favorites. And Whiplash yeah. is amazing. And I haven't seen Whiplash, but obviously he knows how to act because that was a really well received movie. Yeah. Wasn't he Cyclops in the new version of X? Men, I think he was. I don't Nicholas Holt was so. Beast, sure. and I believe Miles Teller was Cyclops in the the last couple X Men movies. But he's great. The casting in this, in this yeah, movie. and Miles Teller, boy, is he having a great little set of time right now. He was uh, he's in the the Offer, which is just an amazing series on Paramount Plus. If you haven't seen it, it he's oh, that That's is such the one a good about series. The Godfather Godfather. Yes, okay. it's so good. I mean, I look forward to that every week, like you won't believe. Um, and he's in this, and just. I mean, he's a grown up now. Like I don't I don't he didn't feel that grown up in Ready Player One, but he's a grown up now and yeah. he I mean, he's a highlight. It was interesting. I was reading up on the production of Top Gun Maverick and all the actors went uh, or our Cruz I think was trying to pick the role of Rooster, so he brought three actors. He picked Bradshaw, but he was so impressed by the guy who played Hangman that he Made them add Hangman as a role. Uh, and that's Glenn that's Powell. I, could, Glenn I was Powell, figure yes. out where I saw him else from, but I really, uh, he's a great performance as well. And he wouldn't have been good as, as a square as rooster, I don't think. No, no, no I don't he's think he would have been the right ice man type Oh, look. for sure. And maybe that's what Cruz noticed yeah. was the chemistry on that. Now, speaking of Iceman, getting to see Val Kilmer on screen again yes. with all of it, and they didn't like hide the health problems, they leaned right into yeah. it. Um, I, I mean, I guess, I guess. There's sort of a plot criticism. It's that, wow, it's amazing that Iceman just happens to die in the three-week training program yeah. Yeah. that they have it's for the Top Gun. a little convenient, but they had to have the, the parallel of another friend passing. And no, and it was the, just the just funeral like, scene's really cool where they take the wings and they hammer them in onto the casket. I think that that's a Navy tradition. I think yes. it is. Yeah, okay. I went to a funeral recently where police officers uh, hammered those in. They're their medallion or whatever, but yeah, I needed a Kleenex. Uh, Kellyanne yeah. handed me a Kleenex during that scene. So there's a, there a couple. Gene Louisa Kelly plays. Uh, it took me the whole movie. I had to wait till the credits because I'm. I was just <laughs> racking my brain trying to figure out who she was. That that's who plays Iceman's wife, and she was on uh, Uncle Buck. She was the oldest daughter Tia, 
Uh, and then she was in Yes, Dear, and she was in Mr. Holland's Opus anyway. So that's just to save you. I kept thinking Callista Flockhart, but she was no, no. not skinny enough to be Callista Flockhart. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a TV show about that same area. Well, when, I, when it's all said and done, and maybe probably the most spoilery thing that I don't want to ruin for people is that Maverick and Rooster steal an F-14 Tomcat so to funny. fight their way yeah. out of unnamed country of enemy. And he Mav, takes out a, fast. This is a taxi road. This isn't a this <laughs> runway. Well, and I thought of that as soon as he did that. I was like, oh, that's like taking off on a deck. Yeah, I mean, that's part yeah. of the whole point of naval yeah, aviators is they have short runway takeoffs and landings. And he loses his gear and he takes off. And then, but getting to watch Maverick fly and kind of getting to have the fun of of Rooster being like, this thing is so old. Like I don't even flip the switch. It's like there's like a thousand switches back here. It's like, well, your dad used to take care of. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have to think about that. Uh, so that led to a and highly just, satisfying. Oh, the intensity of that fight and the humor in it as well. Like, just just wave at them, act normal. <laughs> yeah. So good. Just well done. It, it fit the characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just if you're if you've listened to this point and you and you've seen the movie, you know what we're talking about. You 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 probably felt the same thing. If you're listening because you just want to hear the whole spoilery thing, well, hopefully this is getting you excited for the way it works out because mm-hmm. I thought that was really good. All right, let me take a break here, and then when we get back uh, for our final segment, I want to talk about some themes that I noticed and get your guys' thoughts on uh, how you felt and if you saw the same thing I did and 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 just. You know, movies aren't just for the action sequences, uh, even though those are the parts we enjoy the most. But uh, the really good ones have an underlying theme uh, that they try to tie the action and the dialogue to. And, and, and I'm going to tell you the, what I thought this one was and, what, and see what you guys thought when we get back. All right, final segment for Top Gun Maverick here on Fan Effect. Andy Farnsworth, Kellyanne Halverson, and Chad Mortensen. We've been uh, talking spoilers for the last segment, but I want to talk about a theme that I noticed. It was, it, was, it was to the point where I actually had to write this down um, because I started to notice it recurring. So, and I think it's an appropriate choice uh, based on how many years it's been since we had the original Top Gun, the idea to revisit the characters 40 years later, uh, the biggest stretch for us was going to be, I mean, really, is accepting that Maverick could still fly a fighter jet like that based on his age and everything else. Yeah, that they would let him. Mm-hmm. Um, we want it so we can willingly overlook maybe the illogical nature of it. Would the Navy actually employ a 60-year-old pilot? I don't know. I actually have some cousins in the Navy, but I don't know. They weren't aviators, but... Um, that doesn't matter for the purposes of our movie making. We accept it. Um, but it would be impossible to make it and to even even though we're accepting a 60-year-old as a pilot, not acknowledging the fact that he's an older pilot and, and he really is on his way out. And you've got a whole group that have come up that are well-versed on, on newer aircraft. I mean, when uh, Maverick's thinking he's being initially assigned to fly the mission – uh, and how cool was that when they're like, what's your assessment? He immediately like lists like a thousand. Oh, they, oh yeah, we need four. We got to go in here. It's going to take. Now, I'm not too, I'm a little rusty on my F-18. I'm not sure if, how much time I'd need to get current. And they're like, oh, no, we're not. To, we're we're you're not going to fly it. Well, you're going to teach him how to fly it. I'm not a teacher. Um, and then this goes into this. So for me, it was the line that they used in it. And I wrote this down. Time is your greatest adversary. Mm. Yeah. Um. When he's talking with Iceman, what did Iceman type on the screen? There's still time. Like, I can't teach him. There's still time. I've lost Brewster. There's still time. Points at it. Yeah, he didn't even have to say it. And then, of course, when he actually did use the dialogue, get y'all choked up, they need Maverick. Yep. Yeah. That yep. was pretty cool. Yep. Um, dang it, Andy. But then he also said, and then um, I believe it was Penny. I didn't, I, it was hard to write and keep paying attention to the screen. But the other thing he said was, it's time to let go. And he goes, I don't know how. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. beautiful. And so she was saying, like, it's time to let go of a lot of things. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to have to let go. At some point, you're not going to be able to fly the aircraft anymore. Yeah. Well, Iceman At some point, said you're that. To... And Penny also reinforced it when she's talking so about So Iceman her did child. say, time to let go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember. And then remember. Penny reinforced the conversation about trust, learning to trust her daughter. And, yes, you know. and him learning to trust Rooster. That's right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, when he's like, I don't know how, that's when Tom Cruise actually tears up, Maverick tears up on screen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, think about this. Tom Cruise has been making this type of movie 
for this many years. Yeah. And he's got more. Yep. Oh, and yeah. more crazy. Jump motorcycle off the cliff. I think I can hold on to it longer <laughs> as I'm falling off this cliff Let's do it again. that I might die on. But I, I could do it again. We didn't get the shot. I, I, I hung on the side of a plane. Are you sure? You For Tom to Cruise, that, that was Tom Cruise talking just as much as yeah. Maverick talking. I don't know how to let go. Well, he's become such a better actor than he was. I mean, it's, it's interesting to compare his acting now compared to then, too. There were some scenes that really resonated in this movie because he's become so good at it. He's That's done true. Jerry Maguire. He's right. done Magnolia, A Few Good Men. I mean, all kinds Magnolia, of stuff. I've, I've never seen, seen that one. He did pretty well in that. Um, but or yeah. Vanilla Sky. Those are two Vanilla that I've Sky. never seen. Vanilla Sky. That's a good one. Well, and it's funny, too, because even through all that, doesn't matter how much of an adversary time is, it's only a matter of time before the women will give in to Tom Cruise's charge. <laughs> Don't give me that look, Maverick. That was Maverick. a beautiful way that it happened, though. Don't give me that look, Maverick. And, and, uh, but the idea of time being the adversary, I mean, you look at the different things. The time was their adversary. They were running out of time before they could... Uh, they, they'd run out of time to, to meet the thresholds of the contract mm-hmm. for the fighter. They only had three weeks of time. That's not enough time to prepare these guys for it. I'm not, it, it's time to let go, but I'm not ready to let go yeah. of, of all of the things, you know, um, his, uh, his, a goose, a you know, rooster, it, you, you find mm-hmm. out that uh, the reason that him and uh, rooster have an issue is because not because he blames Maverick for his dad's death, which you're thinking for, a which is what you would assume. Movie. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's because. He pulled his papers at the academy. Originally, Rooster wants to go to the academy. Turns out his mom didn't want him to go, but she talks to Maverick. He becomes the fall guy for that, Mm -hmm. pulls his papers and sets his career back. Now, I'm not in the military, but I do understand that there is career paths and you're, you're often measured. And I don't know if this is just culturally or just how it is. You're measured by where you are in relation to your graduating class. What rank advancements do you attain as you go along? So my classmate is already a a captain and I'm still a lieutenant junior grade or I'm a lieutenant senior grade or, you know, eventually you get to the admiral level. So Tom Cruise could be. And that's why they're saying that you should be an admiral by now, because Iceman, who was part of his class, was an admiral. Mm -hmm. John Hamm was a was a three star admiral. I believe I saw three stars on his Mm -hmm. collar, whereas um, Ed Harris only had a two star. So these were people where Maverick following a career path would have been, uh, but instead he was still a captain. And so that's part of the reason that the people were saying to him, like, you're still a captain. That's kind of an insult to a military person. Like, why are you still at this grade? Usually that only happens if you suck. Like if you're just not good. No, really, because otherwise there's career advancements. And that's why doing something wrong to the wrong person can ruin your career because Mm -hmm. all they have to do is write on a report that something that you're not good at something. And then, when you're looking at 6,000 people, oh, well, this guy's commanding officer says he's not good at that. And so suddenly your career stalls. And mm-hmm. so he sets Rooster back by several years by having him get his papers pulled from the academy altogether. Well, and it, it wasn't just because he didn't want Rooster to resent Carol. He also says that he didn't think he didn't Rooster think he was, was ready. ready but I thought it was the more noble one was, you know, he already better that he hate me than his mom yes. who's gone and yes. and that was yeah. kind of a noble thing well and th- that is definitely the noble part of it but it's also it brings him to the struggle of today is like is he ready now right um, uh, uh, because it's not just well no parent thinks their kids ready for stuff i'm going to be honest i've got 6 i got age 20 down to age 9 mm-hmm. and at no point have i thought oh yeah though no, they're ready they're for totally this ready. now they may be ready or they may, yeah. you know, do well despite, but no parent generally thinks, oh, yeah, no, they're ready for this. Who thought we'd get a parenting film out of Maverick 2? Like- <laughs> we really did, yeah. <laughs> out of Top Gun 2. Well, and, you know, I didn't think that, but I mean, I guess it makes sense because you, you had to figure that at some mm-hmm. point there was going to either be the father-son headbutting yeah. over, it was going to be over something because there's always something. Always. Um, in this case, it was, why'd you pull my papers? And then that's the scene where you saw them arguing in the trailer, but... It wasn't over, you know, you killed his dad and, and that kind of thing. Because apparently he was okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what Maverick feels guilty over anymore. Although you could still see that the thought of it haunted him. Is he? Yeah. There was no way he could watch his friend and his friend's son die mm-hmm. on the same missions with him. Well, And, he used and then that. how about when the... the when I was like, oh, and first of all, there's no way they kill Rooster the same way they killed Goose. So he, whatever the malfunction was going to be with the seat with when the it was pulled the ejector seat, he is not going to hit the canopy on the way up. I'm sorry. Well, and how great did he use that that loss of Goose uh, to teach 
the new batch, these new batch of flyer, flyers, where he said to them when they were failing the missions and the simulations, like, so what are you going to tell their families that this that Yes, this that was a great way to you kind of recenter their attention. Like, hey, you know, you, you were in such a rush to complete the mission yourself. Well, what are you going to tell the families uh, of the people that are dead? Oh, yeah, he uh, didn't make it because he flew too slow. Mm-hmm. Well, and it just kind of reset everything of of the reality of of how much Goose Goose's death still bothered uh, Maverick, and how much that helped him mature as an individual as well. Like, ooh, so good. And so how much good. Rooster still thought about his dad? That that scene where he's in the cockpit, he says, "Talk to me, Dad." At talk one to point. me, Dad. And yeah. instead of talk to me, Goose. Well, yeah. Maverick Cruz said, or Maverick said, "Talk, talk to me, Goose." Multiple, multiple times. times. He did. Yeah. Oh, I did. I did write that. Uh, although, down. although I guess here's another here's another possible thing. Possible critique. Well, just like, why would he say "talk to me, Dad"? I mean, that's like Maverick's thing. Unless Maverick said it around his kid a lot, like that. Why would the word? It's be a the same? little too specific. But I mean, it worked emotionally. It works just fine. <laughs> yeah. But it was something where you're just when you think about it, you're like, where did well, that he had from? seen the original Top Gun, and you know, yeah, he'd so. seen the original Top Gun, so he knew. <laughs> he had to. They that's were a great observation. The exact same shot in the vortex. So, so Miranda. So, I thought that the theme about time yeah. and. You know, Tom Cruise, or I can't call him Tom Cruise, but it's Maverick, yeah. finally realizes it's time to, you know, maybe make a commitment instead of just being on and off again with Penny. The, the daughter obviously reinforced that, like, hey, if you're going to get, and how about the love scene? They set it up exactly they, like they the really original did. one. It looked very I 80s. was waiting yeah. for Take My Breath Away's music Take to start for a second, yeah. even though Lady Gaga has the theme for this movie. Mm-hmm. And it was that music that was playing. But. He lays her down the exact same way. Like, yeah. I was like, are we going to get the top tongue part like we did in the original movie? We did not. I'm but it, did suddenly not. it cuts to them in the bedroom and it cuts to them like, and it shows the course over the night like it fades. They just sit and that talk the funny. entire night. It's so exactly. great. I thought that was a hilarious like sort of a side thing. And then he still has to go out the window anyway when <laughs> when Penny gets, <laughs> the no, not Penny, right the daughter there. gets home. What's her name? Amelia. Amelia gets, oh, Amelia. Amelia Earhart makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, when Amelia gets home unexpectedly. But just the idea of uh, of them talking, like it's more of a mature reaction to things. Mm-hmm. Like they're catching up. The they, they have a relationship. And solve this in character. That's mm-hmm. uh, and though I don't know if anybody's going to complain that um, Kelly McGillis's character Charlie is <laughs> back at all. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, and narratively, I'm glad they never mentioned her. You don't need to. Explain well, but that, that was the fast. thing. Like they never. I don't know if they implied that he was going to have a long term relationship with Charlie at the end of Top Gun. But mm-hmm. either way, I always thought that their love story was. Just goofy. Like, I thought so too. It was a uh, her cheesy. line in the original Top Gun is like, "Because I was afraid it would, I would <laughs> give away I that I'd fallen for, for you." For you. Yeah, this one's definitely less less cheesy, less crass. I was okay with Kelly mature. McGillis not not to not to bag on Kelly McGillis, but I was okay with her not being. In the <laughs> yeah, and was, Conley, okay. who and they could they could, ina- they could establish narratively that through Penny actually that that Maverick was not really the committing type mm-hmm. uh, by the fact that. Obviously, they had a connection because they'd keep getting together, but then yeah, they'd keep yeah. they'd keep falling apart. So I was aware of that don't don't break her heart again. But the scene <laughs> setting up the the love scene that was one of the many similar beats to the original movie that they did. That really, if you've seen the original a bunch of times, you recognize them quickly. The opening sequence with the Harold Faltermeyer music followed by Danger yeah. Zone. The scene where Cruz is on that second deck. Looking out at the ocean, mm-hmm. which he did a couple times in the first one. And this, I mean, at first it was the ghost of Maverick's father, then it was the ghost of Goose in the mm-hmm. original one. And in this one, he's thinking about the potential ghosting of the son, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, and I don't know, I thought they did a good job of sort of portraying the, the tension. Like, yeah. we get one shot at this, and, and not even just like our, our own lives, but we get one shot, period, mm-hmm. yeah. to even. To take this thing out or so, you know, in a worst case scenario, in a worst best case scenario, we take out the thing and we die, but we took out the thing. Mm-hmm. In a worst worst case scenario, we don't take out the thing and we and die, and, and and it didn't matter. Radiation didn't, didn't it feel like a new hope when they were explaining how they were going to go <laughs> yeah. about? Yes, like, actually, one the of the trenches. critics walked out and said to the uh, said to the. Uh, the studio rap, like, just like Beggar's Canyon back home. <laughs> but it worked. It worked because you knew exactly what they had to do. It wasn't vague. Yeah. You knew what, what was at stake. And I thought they did How a good How dangerous job was the that. skill that was needed for it. What, what I think is interesting, so you took out of it that time was one of the main themes of it. And me, I'm at a different phase of my life. 
going into it, what what I took out of it was more of that trust element of learning not just to trust yourself, your skills, but allowing uh, yourself to trust others' skills and uh, possibilities, opportunities. So I, I, I love that we both walked out with a significant message from the film, even if it wasn't the, the same message there like and i chat i don't know if you pulled something different You've i walked had different out with healing with healing from loss yeah you know, lost my dad last month and just mm-hmm. just in general we all lose people and and uh they both had to go through that rooster and maverick were both healing from different losses they'd had see and that's what a good movie does and a good story does it doesn't just hammer one point and one point alone but it allows you to experience it not only from the point of the characters but to experience in in your own framework to come out with your own realizations and everything like that and i think because it wasn't it wasn't just a fun escape adventure summer blockbuster film, but there also was these meaningful moments in it. I, I really hope Maverick does good in the theaters, and I think it will. I really hope it does. Oh, yeah. no, there's no there's no question. <laughs> this might be – I mean, I'm trying to think of what's coming. Some of the Marvel movies could beat it, but outside of like a superhero movie, I I don't think there's any doubt this is going to be the top grossing movie of the year. Definitely, yeah. I don't even I think so. Avatar is going to beat this. I don't. I don't I've known There's not anticipation Avatar. for Avatar like mm-hmm. there is for this. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like a generation. In, interestingly, in the notes, this is the longest time between an original and a sequel mm-hmm. of 36 yeah. years. So it is a lot of anticipation built up. And so I, I do think it's going to do really well. All right. So last thing, the last portion, what were some of the fun, funnest things of it? I wrote down a couple that uh, that I really liked that kind of caught my eye. Uh, one of them was that no one can resist Tom Cruise for very long, certainly not over two hours. <laughs> no matter what, Penny was going to fall to his charms. At least they just stayed up and talked, right? So that it wasn't just like exploitative or something like that. But uh, that was funny. Um, we got a Tom Cruise running scene. We can't have a movie without it. <laughs> And he's running in full pilot gear through the snow. I mean, there's no way he could have a not sucking wind conversation with Goose after running through the snow in that pilot gear. But whatever. It was still hilarious. Um, I love the line in the he he used a, a line from his dad. Uh, and pardon the curse, do some of that pilot shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what Goose said to Maverick in the first one, and that's what Rooster says to Maverick when they're trying to escape. Uh, and then, and then, how about this for an ending? They literally fly off into the sunset, and it, it yeah. is the same almost shots from the first one. I and, and but this time Penny is with him, and so. this time he flies into. The, didn't he ride off into the sunset in the first one? He didn't fly off, did he? I think I there don't remember the ending. Flight, the I remember some story in the. In the well, let let us not forget. The volleyball scene. We all yes. That's right. That's it right. Was it wasn't, bo- but it was double football, yeah. which teaches you. Because at first I thought, wait, are Offense they using defense? two? And then I thought, wait, is this like, was that like a mirror image or what's happening here? And it turns out that it was, what did he call it? Um, uh, I don't remember what they officially oh, wrote, called it. it. Sudden death or something like that. Something yeah. like that, but where you have to play offense and but defense then, at then the same time. A- and you're like, actually, that's kind of like a logical thing for yeah. these fighters. They have to defend themselves and accomplish their offensive mission. And yeah, no, it was a great nod to playing with the boys and having volleyball scenes there. It's nice to see a female in the mix. Too, right. There were two in there. Omaha. Yeah, also. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Phoenix and Omaha. Mm-hmm. And so it was, but it, it was fun. And he's just sitting on the beach, uh, in a chair when Admiral, uh, when the Admiral rolls up, what are you doing? You're supposed to be training him. And he's like, I am training him. You said make him a team. This will make him a team. Dog fight football. Dog, Dog fight, fight football. Mm-hmm. Oh, that yes. makes sense. Okay. <laughs> that does. All right. I think my funny, the funniest part, the things that I loved, I just loved Bob. Like, I know it's Having so, a so guy stupid. named Bob, that yeah. is funny. And like at the very beginning when he's like, whoa, how long have you been here? It's like the whole time. He's like. He's stealth. He's Bob. He's like, like, actually, no, I'm a radar guy. They're like, dude, you don't even get the joke. <laughs> <laughs> he's just this quiet guy that, yes, you, you're going to help us save the day. Thank you, Bob. And he's a little, Luke's a little nerdy too. So as a nerd myself, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yes, so. we got visual representation instead of yes. just. Oh yeah, they just say <laughs> there they're still a nerd. There's curvy but... women like me, but someday maybe we'll have some curvy women. <laughs> That's true. Although to be fair, we're talking fighter jets <laughs> too. There's true. a lot of uh, regular true. type guys that wouldn't have fit in those Penny jets either. Could have been curvy, just saying. <laughs> That's true. It's That's okay, true. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we've had the fun moments. Now, what do you think? Final thoughts, Chad? What were you? What do you got? So to me, it's what stands out. It's it's on a short list for one of the best sequels I've ever seen. Like I would put Godfather Part Two, <laughs> Return of the King is I would put. Okay. And somebody else mentioned Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Last Crusade, maybe. Those are Potential. all amazing sequels. Um, no, I I immediately said this is one of the. I text I texted my brother 
immediately and said, that's one of the best summer movies and sequels that I can remember seeing in a long time. Right. Yeah. Uh, would I put it in the top five? I don't know. I'd have to, I guess I'd have to come up with my top five, but it would certainly Another be in the running. We should that do. is I'll recency bias. That is recency bias. But, True. Um, but it, it was that good. And, and when I left it, I couldn't think of anything wrong with it. I think that's a great point. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing. It was a wonderful sequel. It was fun. It was action past. It was it was a blast. It was emotional. It was heartfelt. Um, and I, was I think it better than Ghostbusters? I don't know. Say, I love how Ghostbusters had the nostalgia and everything, and it was a younger generation's rise. This one's different because it's still the same characters. Um, but I def yeah. I do think it was better. I do think. Oh, it was I agree a better. with you. I liked Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters but this is yeah. by far this better. Is, yeah, this is by far better. Yes, and uh, I was able to balance the nostalgia a bit more, where it was more of a reference and not a hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're doing this same hey, thing it's again. top gun again it's top gun again um it didn't but it was like i mean below. it was top gun again but and it was that's a okay sure top gun it was a more grown-up and and everything there so i think it is one of the best sequels i've i've seen in a very very long time and i know people have been very jaded over sequels lately so yep. don't let that stop you go see it it's beautiful. I think it's going to get great word of mouth, too. So even right. it's going to do gangbusters the first weekend just because everybody's waited so long to see it. I know mm-hmm. this is one where the companies have been renting out theaters so they can let their employees go watch it mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I kind of like that it, again, we mentioned it earlier, but that because it it felt less 80s as far as, you know, yeah. the stuff, the content. There was an F word in it I did hear. There was a little <gasps> bit of cussing. I didn't even notice that. Uh, there was one. It was during a flying scene. Well, that um, would make sense. But- but it, I mean, it could have. They could have gone a lot more crass. I mean, I've heard that there's a reason that they call it sailor talk yeah. mm-hmm. uh, when they when they uh, use it to describe you know foul language. But but they were restrained in in everything. And when it's PG thirteen, I mean, it's PG thirteen for peril and for strong language s- sequence of intense action. Yeah, so, I mean, there, there's stuff that uh, you know. I mean, crud. I'm a I'm a 46 year old guy, and I was tensing up my leg muscles in right? the intense action. So yeah, it's intense and. Uh, but but totally worth it. Obviously, you know, if you've listened now for this hour, then you know how much we loved Top Gun Maverick. Hour. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Always go a little over. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Fan Effect Podcast. We've talked about Top Gun Maverick. We all loved it. We agree it's one of the greatest sequels that we can think of in recent memory, if maybe of all time. Uh, we think it'll bear out at the box office, and uh, so that'll be fun to see how that all plays out. So we thank you for joining us on this episode of Fan Effect. Our thanks again to uh, Kellyanne Halverson. Always uh, a pleasure Yay. to have you, Kellyanne. And for Chad Mortensen, Chad, tell us about where we can listen to your podcast. Uh, Saints and Sinners, True Crime in the History of the West on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music. Excellent. And we'll catch you on our next episode of Fan Effect. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.